filmmakers and photographers drinking coffee and talking shit. Welcome to Filmmakers and Photographers Drinking Coffee and Talking Shit. In this podcast, you'll hear insights and stories from four guys and maybe an occasional guest who have all come to the craft of visual media from very different starting points. I'm your host, Matt Rickman. And I am Sean Luddy. I am Chris Bell. I am Randy Fitzenmeyer. In this episode, we're going to talk to our very special guest, photographer Rodney Stewart. We'll drink a little coffee and talk a little shit. Rodney, tell us a little bit about yourself. Why are you even here? Hey, fellas. Well, I got a, an invite from my good friend Randy, and he asked me to be a part of this, so I was honored to uh, show up, and, and then I was told there was free coffee. So, yeah. It wasn't the, free for me. The, well, <laughs> so the bar is pretty Next low right now. Uh, I'm the senior photographer at a, a, a publishing company called Group Publishing. It's a Christian publishing company, and we're located in Loveland, Colorado. And I've been with the company for 15 years now. Wow. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I do all the uh, photography for any type of marketing, packaging, uh, promotional materials uh, for over 450 products and um, average about 350 to 400 photo shoots a year for the company. Wow. Uh, so it's a, it's a dynamic uh, job with a really great team. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. What were you doing before that? I uh, worked for uh, some local uh, photography studios uh, in the Fort Collins area. So I had a little background. Of course, I started in film and um, shot all formats uh, with a company. Uh, actually, that's where me and Randy met and tons and, t- tons and tons of years ago. And then I went to work for a company that uh, uh, was all digital at the time, and that was about 18 years ago. Uh, and so I've been shooting digital ever since, and yeah, so that's kind of where ever it went. Since the beginning of digital, I pretty mean, you much started with the yeah. three shot backs, right? Yep, yeah, the Leaf Cantari systems. That was a so you couldn't shoot people; it was all product. It was because it was a three pass system, but oh, wow. super high res. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah like red, green, blue. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy, nice. but super high res. You know, they were. Oh, large files. I think there were 20 megs at the time or something crazy. I know, I know. You can't fit that on a floppy disk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a journey. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, welcome. Thank you. Glad to have you here. Randy, you you talked about the three... the three phase backs or whatever you call those. And didn't you at one point say you couldn't sell it on, you couldn't give it away on eBay now. It. It's a doorstop. Basically. Cause you can't use them, right? Like there's yeah. no application for that in today's, today's landscape. Doorstop. <laughs> well, I think, um, when I worked for Jim, we had three of them and they were 200 grand a piece. Holy with, holy. With, the, with the cameras and the computers to drive them. Wow. We had one when I started at group, and um, I think they paid close to fifty grand for the system, and I sold it for six hundred dollars, and I felt bad for the guy. <laughs> six hundred dollars. I mean, we got our use out of it, but it was big and bulky, and cables running out everywhere. And that wasn't I, that wasn't a three system. That was the first one. Uh, I think it was the Volari. Yeah, if single I get, shot. It was a single shot. But it was the size of a toaster oven, <laughs> and you know we were shooting kids with that. And I soon I wasn't there weeks, and I was like, I have to sell this immediately and go to a DSLR. 
And how long ago was that? 15 years ago. So, like, how much is 50 grand 15 years ago? Like, today. Because, I mean, that, what that shows is, like, how far things have really come. Because now, for five grand, you can get a oh, beautiful setup that well, would shoot when maybe I, not that high. high yeah, when I got my first DSLR, of course, I was buying cards then, right? Flash cards. Yeah. And I bought three. I, I saved the receipt. I bought three 512 megabyte cards for seven hundred dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> Three of them for seven hundred dollars, and and I was like, oh, but you can use them over and over and over. It's like a roll of film, but you just use them over and over and over. And now I've got you know these multiple gig cards for you know fifty dollars, <laughs> and it's just how much times have changed. Yeah, is, there, right. is there anything you guys miss about the old wave of shooting, or, or is it just like a whole fresh new world nowadays? I've always said that I I can't imagine, you know I. I wish digital was never invented in some ways, and in other ways, I can't imagine not having it. Right. Just on the fence. Why? Why that? That you don't? You're not happy with the with it? You're saying it? You wish it wasn't there, or? Sometimes. Why? um, From a business standpoint, in some ways, um, it's it's really, and that's that's a double-edged sword as well, where it's really opened it up to to the whole world. there was before digital came along, especially in the commercial world, there was less photographers, less competition. Yeah. Now yeah. everybody's a photographer, whether they even down to specialties, whether they can photograph a product, let's say, for packaging or not. It's mm-hmm. it's still, but yet it it levels the playing field. And back then we would, we would shoot, you know, four by five film on a. You know, Bellows camera and and shoot a gazillion Polaroids at five bucks a pop or more, and then you'd have to drum scan each piece of film to hmm. digitize it and get it in the computer. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Um, I if if we're going down that road, I mean, digital for me is everything, and I just loved it. I was so glad I didn't have to shoot film anymore because of the delay and, and knowing that you got what you needed. But uh, on the flip side, I think digital made me a lazier photographer. Because I got instant feedback and I didn't have to meter stuff like I used to and, and check Polaroids. And it was, uh, yeah, I, I realized like, oh, I don't need to meter that light. I can just see what it looks like and turn it down or turn it up. <laughs> and um, so that skill set went away. Um, mm-hmm. But then you learned your equipment and, and you got better at it. But I used to laugh about it all the time. I was like, man, this this is so great. It's like, <laughs> take a picture. Huh, that's too bright. Turn it down. Oh, that one's too dark. Turn it up. You know, instant. Waiting for a Polaroid on, in your armpit, light. waiting for it to warm up, you know. Try yeah. To yeah, I'm the youngest guy at the table, and I don't say that to talk shit, okay? But, but I wouldn't even know how to meter light. I mean, I can use it in camera, yeah. you know. Sure. But... But yeah, like what you were doing when we first did our photo shoot back, and you're holding this thing up and you're measuring. Them. Well, it was That's not a whole only different skill set that I right. don't. Have. It was not only, and I've never had to power yeah. of strobes yeah. or available light, but it was color temperature too. I mean, mm. we had multiple heads that had different color temperature, and if you're shooting really high end product, that you would see a different color show up. I mean, it was critical. Mm. I mean, you can't even really buy a color temp meter anymore. They just don't even exist, or they're super high money. They're really expensive. Super high expensive, mm-hmm. yeah. But and and I going back to the you know, shooting film like four by five film, I thought I think looking through the ground glass of a four by five camera at an image that's upside down and reversed, 
tends to make you better at composition, and it slows you down, makes you evaluate things more, whether it be a landscape or a product shot or whatever it is. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, like, you know, I'm living proof that, like, it's so easy to overshoot, right? I mean, like, I I have to tell myself, and, and, and there's different you know, like levels of that, right? Like I can be at a show and be like, man, they probably want to see me running around with my camera to make them feel like I'm capturing <laughs> everything. You know? Like that, there's that aspect of it. But then I have to tell myself, like you have plenty of shots of people like sitting in a room watching the stage. Yeah, like there's else. only so many of those you need. And, and that'll make more work for you later. Well, and not only that, but I mean, I also find that if you have a very limited amount of good shots, you're, you know you're pulling those best shots when you're doing an edit. Now I'm talking more videography than photography, but um, I guess the same thing would even go for photography. If you have a million you know, raw photos to go through and you're trying to pick the best five, it's so much harder if you have 500 than if you have 50 you Absolutely. Know I mean? to pick that, those, those selects. So, in um, blending those two together again, I would say the more you f- take still photos – I think it will make you a better videographer, cinematographer. Mm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. What What made you get into <clears throat> photography in the first place? Uh, that's a great question. I originally have a graphic design degree. So when I got out of college, I was working for uh, graphic design firms and uh, ad agencies doing graphic design. And um, through... Through that education and getting out in the real world, I, I started working with photographers, right? And um, so then the transition of computers starting to take over design work, because, you know, that's dating me, but it, it was a long, long time ago, um, that whole thought process changed. And I wound up getting laid off from a job I'd had for like five years because I didn't know how to run a computer. I mean, it was all hand artwork back then. Right. This is a long time ago. And so my thought was like, I wasn't even sure I wanted to stay in the industry. And we had hired this photographer a few times. And I was like, man, that dude looks like he has a lot of fun. (laughs) I literally said that. And I I took him out for a beer and I was like, you need to hire me. And he's like, I don't want to hire anybody. I'm like, but you need to. (laughs) And so I talked him into just putting me um, on part time. Uh, I knew how to work this guy. I was like, I could carry your gear. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm an art director, you know, like think about how that could really be a selling point for your. So I basically made a position for myself with this company and he Good put <laughs> he put me on for a, a couple of weeks and it really started working out. And I worked for him for nine years. Wow. wow. Who and was that? Was, was he up here? Yeah. Tim O'Hara. Photography. Oh, wow. yeah. 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 So I got my start with Tim and, you know, it was all film and we shot all formats and and that's where I met Randy and we. Yeah, worked for him for right at nine years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. You know, it's funny as I listen to this, too. Also, again, being the youngest guy in the room. Because what I'm thinking is, like... Why does if, he keep saying that? <laughs> this is yeah, really, shit, right? It's kind of rubbing it in. Yeah. Did, I, did I mention everybody out you there? Is it right bedtime I'm the yet? youngest because guy in the world. It's got to be 7 uh, o'clock. It's, no, but, but it's funny because it's like, you know, any of our younger listeners would be yeah. like, I can't even imagine a day before computers for any job almost, right? Let alone a job that today is almost 100% computer-based, right? Sure. Um, I wonder what this conversation is going to be like when when I'm the guy at the table 
you know, and younger guys are like, man, I don't know. You, you guys used to use computers, you know, you, know, well, you know what I'm saying? You shot like, 2D images? It's all about holographs yeah, now, man. you know, like, oh, you guys Ooh, you guys weren't teleporting people to the whatever, you know, it's like, what no, is that going to be? we had to physically be? drive them to the photo shoot. Yeah. We didn't, like, hologram them over there, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it just, we've had these talks about what does the future look like, but it just, you know, we, we're having this actual conversation today in 2019 about what it was like before computers were part of our workflow. Fast forward 20, 30 years yeah. from now, what's that conversation? Are it's you kind using of, computers so comment already? in below what you think the future of photography will be without computers. Yeah, so hopefully that answered your question. I, I got into it because I, I, I was looking for a change, and it seemed like a fun career, and it, and it really has been. You know, I'm the, I'm the kind of photographer, like, it is a wonderful career. It's given me a lot of opportunity to see, you know, big chunks of the world. You know, people are like, oh, do you shoot on the weekends? And, and it's like, I don't really because... I, I have a 50 hour a week job of shooting photography. I like to go do other things, you know? And so it's like, I'm not that guy that's just got a camera hanging around my shoulder all the time. It's a wonderful career. I'm very passionate about my skill, but it's not like I know when I want to do other things and, and it's not my entire life. What do you do for like creative outlet then outside of? Well, I, my whole, like I fly fish, um, I hunt, I'm an archery hunter, so I hunt big game. And so those are the releases that gets me out of the office and I go out into nature and I've been doing a lot of solo, uh, backcountry trips where I'll, I'll disappear for a week and, uh, and go try to, you know, not die and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and hunt and fish. And, um, I never thought I would be a saltwater fly fisherman, but I've, you know, had the opportunity to do that. So it's those things that get me out into nature. And believe me, many, many times I was like, man, I wish I had a really good camera. <laughs> but I, you know, I have my iPhone with a waterproof case. And so I can record events. Um, of course, they're not, you know, to the, the high res that our cameras would provide, but it's still a, a record of my adventures and stuff. So those are sort of my creative outlets. He's also a heck of a shortstop. Yeah, I play a lot of <laughs> sports. I just play a lot of sports, and I like being outdoors. So, nice. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. What would you tell somebody who was young and uh, wanted to have your job at some point? You know, uh, I think you really have to be aware of uh, what photography, um, the skill set one that you have to have to to do a good job, and then the amount of work that it is to really be a commercial photographer if that's the avenue i i've hired 30 interns uh in my time there at group and of all different skill sets and and whatnot and you know they're i, I get bummed out when some of these uh, universities or whatever are teaching a lot of film based skills and it's like okay i get that but that's not the real world anymore right it's all digital it's all you can do that on the side the the technical side is good you know but you know developing film and making prints and stuff to me it's like that that's just me a lot of people really bristle when i talk about that but if you're going to be a commercial photographer in, a, in the real world that's that's not a skill set you're going to need so you have to understand that it, it's a lot more work than people think you know um I'll do photo shoots and my art directors will show up and they're completely trashed at the end of the day. And I'm like, this is a normal day for me. And they're like, how do you do this every day? It's like, cause I've been conditioned uh, when you do as many photo shoots as we do. And, and I'm, I deal with kids a lot. So I'm always chasing kids around and, and that's a drain, but um, you have to be very clear. It's very few people, very few photographers make tons of money being a photographer. 
I make a great salary. It's a great career. I, I absolutely love the company I work for. I feel very blessed. Yeah. Uh, but there's it's it's a struggle to be out there because, like Randy said earlier, anybody can get a digital camera and think they're they're a photographer. Um, I get it all the time, and it's like, have you seen those T-shirts? It's like once you turn it off. Uh, auto when you turn it to manual that's when you're a photographer yeah. right and it's like i gotta get one of those yeah. shirts man it's like that that differentiates us from uh, mm -hmm. uh just yeah. a, a hobbyist yeah yeah i've always felt though that like the democratization of you know these fantastic cameras that are getting in everyone's hands i mean there is a side of it that's frustrating i mean it seems like every stay-at-home mom buys a camera and decides to become a photographer right but i i do think that the end is the net of all of that is uh, positive. Sure. That, you know, there's I, more I would content. agree. Better art in the world. There's more in the, out there, yeah. Well, there's a lot of crap, too, so that, you know, when they you could show up as a professional photographer and you're taking images that just stand out, yeah. people are like, wow, yeah. I, how, how did you do that? You know, I've got a camera and I can't get those shots. Right. Well, uh -huh. there's there's the available light photographer and then there's you know, a yeah. studio photographer, right. Uh, to have both of that skill set is, is unique in, in the world. Cause most nine, I would say 90% of the photographers you see online or, you know, family photographers there, it's all available light. They're outdoors. I mean, maybe a fill flash or something, but you get them in a studio and they have not one clue of mm -hmm. how to create an image. That's me. Uh, yeah. with That's a, me. With, yeah. <laughs> or, or sometimes even know how to work with available light correctly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but it also comes down to the fact of, like, let's say you get a job and you're on location and a bunch of things go wrong. The weather goes wrong. Clients go wrong. You still, a lot of money's being spent. You still need to come back mm -hmm. with the product. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that also separates professionals from Absolutely. the guy that's got a huge Instagram account that, <laughs> you know, the client decided to use them to basically buy their Mm -hmm. you know, list yeah. and they didn't come back with the goods. You know, that happens. Sometimes. When I got interviewed for this job, one of my favorite questions I got asked was like, okay, tell us of a time where something didn't go right at a photo shoot and how did you handle it? And I just started laughing. I'm like, every photo shoot, yeah. <laughs> every single photo shoot, something yeah. goes wrong, you know, the rarely. And so that's like Randy was saying is set you apart is like, how do you handle that stressful situation? Uh, clients are late. Uh, dog pukes on the set you know it's like you <laughs> which we've seen you know it's like you anything that can go wrong i think i've seen it and and then it, that's the difference the difference is how does a professional handle that situation you know moving indoors you know all those things it just comes with experience yeah that's yeah. fantastic mm -hmm. what was the biggest mistake you've ever made on set or shoot okay i <laughs> i used to tell my interns this the very first day so it would put them at ease like okay mm -hmm. stuff's gonna happen right you gotta learn from it um, when I was working with Tim O'Hara, we, uh, one of our clients was the Colorado ballet. And so we got the opportunity to follow the dancers from the moment they walked in the door all day and then be backstage and shoot them during the performance. And this was during the film days. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what a great opportunity. And I was like, ah, I don't like ballets. I was crying in the middle of it. You know, it was so beautiful. And anyway, so we shot like 50 rolls of film. Blah, 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 you know, and so we got done. It was like five o'clock in the afternoon. The, the matinee performance is over and we're putting gear outside in downtown Denver. And uh, Tim looks at me, he goes, you know, get this to the processor. I was like, awesome. 
I was almost to Fort Collins when I realized I left that camera back sitting on the street corner. Oh, oh my God. Oh, right. Do you hear the, the collective moaning right now? <laughs> All of our medium oh. format cameras and 50 rolls of film of a performance, you can't just read it. No. Yeah. Right? Oh, my gosh. That was the hardest phone call I ever made. And um, so I called Tim. He was still in Denver. And to his credit, he didn't fire me on the spot. <laughs> and he's like, just start making some phone calls. And uh, so I, I got on the cell phone. And, I, you know, I got – anyway, I got a hold of Bob, the maintenance guy or whatever. And he's like – I was like, Bob, I was just there doing – he goes, did you lose your camera bag? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was like, Music oh, my gosh. Right? I was like, yeah. And he goes, uh, yeah, some somebody just turned it in. It was and it was five o'clock on a Friday in downtown Denver. Like wow. And I was like, Can you look in it? And he goes, A couple cameras and a whole bunch of film. It's like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> like I was just gonna quit. No here. Right? Says, I wasn't even gonna make them yeah. I wasn't even gonna make them fire me. I was just gonna quit. Right. Yeah. And that was a that was a mistake. And so now first thing that goes in my truck is the yeah. camera. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. You, you can only lose make that gear. Once. You only make that mistake well, once. Well and what yeah you do now is after a shoot you throw all the gear in the vehicle and let's say you're going to go have lunch you take the cards out of the camera and put them in your pocket so you can replace the gear but you can't replace the shoot just like your film that's just a little different those are the worst kinds of shoots is the ones where you only get one shot to capture it yeah you know if you mess that up if it's a senior portrait you know you can always call them back and whatever you know weddings are tough that's kind of why i don't do weddings i mean there's enough stress but that was a that was a giant mistake, and I've never you know even come close to making that mistake again. Does Tim remind you of that every now and no, then? No, well, I mean, you know, I, I haven't worked for Tim in twenty years, but uh, it was a story. I'm not yeah. going to lie, and and I like I say, I would tell all my interns like, look, I made a huge mistake. I learned from it. You know, that's the goal here is you're going to make mistakes, learn from them, and. Uh, yeah, so he's on a podcast right now telling that same story. <laughs> this guy working a little for different. Guys. Yeah, well, right. we won't talk about the knife that fell out of my mouth and stabbed him in the wrist when you know. So that was another whole deal. That's for another podcast. Oh, that's that's a fantastic story. Yeah, you know, and he lived to tell it. I yeah, guess. yeah. I mean, I learned from it. It was like I say, it was just it was shocking. I. I don't even know how to tell it any more than that. It was just like, oh no, that was the worst mistake ever. What is your favorite thing to shoot? People, products, food? Puking dogs? Um, not puking dogs. Uh, I'm going to puke just thinking about it. But uh, I'd say, I mean, my my job now revolves around um, photographing kids. And, um, and a lot of it is pretty relaxed, casual settings. Our product line, uh, we're a Christian company. We focus on uh, children's ministry products. So it's a lot of that. But I do love um, kind of cultural portraits so in my trips i've i got to go to uh, zambia um, a year or so ago and creating marketing images that i had to get but then being able to just cut loose for a little bit and getting these kids in their environment um, that really is a, a you know one of the things that i really like to focus on and now i'm doing a little more studio uh, fine art portraiture that i'm having a good time with and you know, doing something you're just not going to see everywhere. It's it's a little higher end. And again, having a studio and having uh, availability to all this equipment separates me immediately from most of the photographers out there because they're outdoors doing that stuff. They don't have studio um, availability. So you you shoot a lot. Yes. How many a lot. how many shoots do you do a year? 
Uh, last year we did, um, I think the actual number was 365 photo shoots uh, for 2018. In 2017, we did it 401 photo shoots. Oh, that's, mul- that's multiple a day. It's more than one every day. And, uh, and again, working for a big publishing company, I shoot for about a dozen art directors. And so they have their own product lines. And, so, you know, I'm not saying every shoot was a giant shoot, but, you know, one of them is like, oh, I need this little widget shot for our catalog. That's the great thing about having an in-house studio is I can run down there and shoot it. And in that afternoon or that hour, they can have it in their catalog. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some are week-long shoots, you know, so it's it's a mix. But, uh, yeah, 401 uh, actual individual wow. photo shoots. What's your uh, favorite lens, if I might ask? Well, there's my workhorse, and it's my 2470, you yeah. know, 2.8, yeah, most yep. of that stuff. But my 100-millimeter F2.8 is the bomb. I mean, that's what I do. When I can, I will use that for my portraiture. I basically have three lenses, uh, my 100-millimeter, um, 2470 and the 7200 uh, mm-hmm. F2.8. They're, the they're really, Trinity. They're all I need, right? I mean, yeah. you know, everybody talks about having all these lenses. And again, I I have the cameras I need to do my job properly. I have the lenses I need to do, you know, I'm not shooting wildlife. I don't need a 400, you know. My kids are running around or, or whatever. Um, I use the equipment that I'm going to use every day. And, uh, and I use them a lot, obviously. <laughs> What's your workflow with that many shoots? I mean, you've got to have your workflow down. Yeah, like absolutely. Walk us through maybe just at a high level what your process is like from the minute you okay click the shutter till it hits your art director's hands. Well, um, just even before that, like we'll get an, uh, a request from an art director that they want to shoot uh, for a specific product line. Our team will um, hire the models, find a location get all the props, that type of thing. And I have a team for that. And then once that's established, we'll go out there and shoot it. And, um, Sean, to your point earlier is sometimes I save, you know, I may shoot 50 shots, but I save three. And those are the ones that are director. Cause I shoot tethered, you know, to our, uh, laps, uh, to our monitors and stuff. They save those three, but sometimes it's kids out there running around playing and I'll shoot 200 or more. And so I will create a gallery, um, and, uh, post that to where they can view all the low res. They will order the ones they want. Comes back to me. I'll pull the high res, uh, color correct them, do any retouching that needs to be done, and um, put them on a server so they can access them and put them into their artwork. So it's a, it's a pretty uh, over 15 years we've uh, strategized this workflow and it's uh, it seems to work for us. You know, as an in-house place. Do you use Lightroom? I don't. Nope. What's I, your, um, uh, I shoot uh, uh, Capture One, okay. and um, that that is a system that I've been using almost since I got my DSLRs. Capture One, you know, was the first um, company that used uh, that you could shoot raw to, and it would still um, display uh, images. They just failed to mention that it wasn't very stable <laughs> shooting tethered and halfway through a shoot it would just crash and i'm like why why uh, it was really great if you loaded a card in there it would do it flawlessly but uh but they finally worked out that you know of course capture one's blaming canon canon's blaming capture one but they finally figured it out and so that's the system i use and i do i uh, a lot of the the basic heavy lifting in capture one i'll, I'll uh, generally process it with basic stuff but then i just i send it upstairs to my all of my calibrated monitors and my machine up there to uh, 
then do all the fine work on it. Do all the fine color correcting because we're all about skin tones there, you know? Yeah. Um, so I do tons of color correcting based on skin tones and that type of thing. Hopefully that answered your question a little bit. And and then on the end of that, right, so we've got all these shoots. I've shot close to 800,000 images uh, since I've been at group. So we have, a, you know, a storage system that we're actually rebuilding right now uh, for all of our digital assets that, uh, you know, they're all keyworded. They're all recall. You know, we can find them searchable and um, be able to pull high res at a moment's notice. So that's it's a it's a big job it's not just the photography yeah. part of it it's uh the managing in fact when i do exit interviews with my inter, uh my interns it's funny how most of them like i had no idea how important file management is right. finding a naming regiment that is timeless right and that you can find stuff later it's one thing to shoot those five thousand images you're talking about what are you where are you going to put them right. how are you going to find them later and that's all our whole world. I get probably 50 images every couple of days from art directors pulling images from previous shoots. So they'll order them. I got to go find them, color correct them, and deliver them in high res. What system do you guys use for all that? Well, it's uh, it's uh, there's a system. I'm gonna say it was it is a system. Okay. It was never designed. Yeah, we could go on to the on us, but right now we're moving into a box. And it's a cloud-based okay. storage system. And so we're rebuilding everything around the, the box system. And so it's just a weird time for us right now. We're migrating all these images over to that. Uh, it's cloud-based, so it's got a different search engine. Uh, and we're figuring it all out. But that's where we're going. So, okay. yeah, the, the, what we had was built specifically for uh, more of uh, intellectual property as far as uh, documents and stuff. And we just... Um, engineered it to help do what we needed it to do and it worked it just wasn't awesome yeah. uh, but it, it got the job done so now we're moving on and that's all i got to say about that <laughs> <laughs> so part of this podcast is about drinking coffee sure uh, tell us about how you came into uh drinking coffee. <laughs> oh my gosh uh yeah so what up? it's funny i one of my trips i got to go to cuba and uh our we do uh international missions trips and we you know support you know people in need all over the world and so i got to go to cuba and well i need caffeine <laughs> yeah. and apparently they don't have mountain dew in cuba so i'm like <laughs> i gotta do something man like i gotta get some of them and so uh they at when i would get back they were you know making espresso and stuff and and it was really fun just being there when it really kicked in was when I went to the Dominican Republic and there was nothing there, right? And so every morning was the big giant, you know, like uh, cafeteria coffee pot and I would just fill her up, put as much sugar and creamer in that thing until my spoon would like literally stand up in it or something and, and I was like, this is going to work. This is going to get me through a week. And, and then when I got back, I was... Cuba and Dominican, I'm smoking cigars and drinking coffee, and my, my family still freaks out when they see me pouring a cup of coffee. They're like, who are you? That's coming into coffee late in life, right? Yeah, yeah, really late. So that's, that's, that's my coffee story. What was um, your favorite place to travel to? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say Cuba for multiple reasons. Um, one, I, I appreciated what our um, company was doing there and the people it was um, – helping uh 
but the culture there is really amazing. Um, they, you know, you hear these stories like, don't do this, don't do that. I mean, we got plenty of warnings about don't talk about politics or religion and all this stuff. And I never experienced that, that, uh, like people are spies and all this stuff. So friendly. Uh, the food is amazing. Um, and of course it's fairly inexpensive to be around there. Uh, being a fly fisherman, I had the opportunity to fish in Cuba and it's like the most pristine waters I've ever experienced. Even in the United States, they, they manage their waters really good. And, uh, so that's been my favorite place to travel. And now I've, I've, I've gone there twice. Uh, I've seen the changes already in the last five years of, um, um, the U S kind of, uh, relaxing, um, travel, um, just making it easier to travel there and come back. Um, so I've seen some changes there. It's not going to be massive. Like people think it's like, Oh, it's going to ruin Cuba. Well, it's going to, the rich people are going to get that, uh, influence the poor. It's not going to affect. Um, but now I have friends there and so it's great to go there. I got to, um, you know, be as a part of the culture, not just staying at a big hotel. It's like I'm staying in a little fishing village, and and he took me down to the discotheca, and, uh, and then we went to a comedy club, and I was the only American, you know, and they and I was just terrified. They saw me, and he's like Americano, and because I'm a white-headed white guy there, you know, and everybody else is Cuban, and uh, so I was a bit terrified about that. But um, Cuba was amazing. I mean. It's hard to complain about Africa. Also, you know, Zambia was an amazing place because I've been to tons of Spanish-speaking countries. Africa is a whole different thing. But, you know, you got to sit on a plane for 24 and a half hours to get there. That's that's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, in real in real talk, it's that's a long ways. No, for sure. Yeah. So you transitioned to becoming a photographer from originally being a graphic designer. Yeah. A lot of photographers over time, Randy included, transitioned into also doing video work. Right. Do you do any video work? That I get asked that a lot. In fact, they're like, oh, do you shoot video? And the reality of the company I work for, um, and did I mention I did 400 photo shoots in a year? <laughs> uh, we, Lots of time for video. Yeah. And we have a fully staffed video department. So for that, I that is just an area I've never... Um, got a skill set. Yeah, I can turn on and, and video just like most people can get out of a camera and be a photographer, but that's it. Like I don't have that skill set. So the, the short answer is no, I, I just don't do tons of video uh, just because it isn't required of me in my job. And I'm just way too busy for that. Um, we have a, you know, wonderful staffed video team that handles all that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know, but I, the graphic design background has absolutely been a, a giant blessing for my photography, right? Because you think about composition. How is this photo going to work in an ad? It's been just a, a great advantage having that skill as, uh, as a, you know, when I got out of college, having that ingrained in me. Then when I became a photographer, I could see things completely different. Uh, you know, I could see warnings or troubles about concepts or something. Um, and I'm sure, you know, the video is the same thing. It's like you just see things differently having that background. Now you can build layout in screen and you don't have to bust out to acetate anymore in the back oh my of the gosh, camera. Right? Huh? Yeah, we could go down that road. I mean, the um, the Capture Shut One. The going on? Huh? Cap- cap- <laughs> I know what it is. <laughs> you know, Capture One allows you to load artwork into, into your uh, software so you can shoot to the, the composition of the ad or something with, you know, everything in place. And that changes. Uh, People that don't see that, when you can shoot right to the template of your ad or something, their heads explode. They're like, 
oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, right? That's awesome, right? Yeah. Watch this. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I have one final question for Rodney, but I want to make sure that, see if you guys have any Just uh, being questions. a, a uh, seasoned uh, uh, artist as well, it's like, I, I bet there's some guys that we know, and so when we're all done, I want to go down the list with you real quick. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch absolutely. of more guys with gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. now. I feel like, you know, I, you know, as well with Randy, you know, we've been uh, in this area a long time, so we've met a lot of guys and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and built some relationships. So. And, and working with Rodney a long time ago, from my perspective, when you work with somebody enough and they're both, you know, are talented, it was just amazing to where you're just so much on on the same plane where you could be thinking that you needed a 10 degree grid spot and one would come flying across the studio and you'd <laughs> catch it you know i mean right you just, side you of just the head, know. You mean? yeah yeah i mean little quirks like over tightening stands and good stuff like that but isn't it great to have that community of absolutely people, you know that we all know and can rely on and call upon and yeah, I know a guy, you know, it's nice <laughs> yeah. to be able to well, say that. And you know what I wish was more prevalent and there's like, I've been able to reach out to photographers that influenced my uh, skill uh, in this area. And a couple of them, I mean, they, they're so open to their, their skill, right? This is how I do this. This is the software I use. This is this because it, it makes each other better. Right. So I love sharing that information. I'm pretty unique where like I can share that stuff and they're not, literally going to take my job you know i get it if if you do this on your own studio like you don't want to show somebody a technique or something that's going to take you know um market share away from you but i'm i'm in a unique spot so i like i just love sharing skill and ideas and 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 i've gotten so much back from other photographers because i'm not a threat to them i didn't want to ever be a threat to anybody but it's great when you can get together as peers and share, uh, you know, oh, this made my life much easier. This made my uh, storage capabilities better. You know, anything. It, it's been wonderful. I've, I've learned so much. Fantastic. Well, my closing question is uh, kind of a two-part. Okay. Um, so part one, having done this for so long, how do, you, how do you stay passionate about the work to where it doesn't just become a job? And then looking forward, what is it that you're most excited about with photography looking into the future? Oh, wow. Well, the the first part of that question, I think, is is fairly easy for me. Uh, again, I'm in a really unique position. I work for a Christian company, and, and, you know, I'm a Christian. So I think the mission of the company helps keep me motivated. I mean, we're, we're changing lives all over the world. And whether you're a Christian or not, or, you know, that's beside the point. I mean, we're helping people in need. And so when I feel like the the results of my photography are helping people and we're getting support and and it helps uh, maybe one person you know whether it leads them to christ or not that's you know i mean that's my ultimate goal but i know this isn't like a religious format here it's more of the mission of the company drives me okay. like i i really love what the company does yeah and and i was really blessed to get on board there so i feel like i you know i have a purpose there it's not just to sell more product it's to change people's lives and, uh, and then to get out there and, and see it in action, you know, there's sometimes there are 
I'm sure all of you guys are like, man, I can't believe I get paid to do this mm-hmm. at times. Yeah. And then I'm yeah. like, they don't pay me enough to do this. <laughs> right. Well right? said. So, well but said. I, I liked, I like the fact that I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I love my job so much and I enjoy the people I work with so much that I really can't believe they pay me to do this, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I would all, well, sort of almost do it for free, but, uh, yeah. but you know what I mean? It's, Absolutely. it's, it's really a, so that's what drives me because I love what I do. I really do. That's awesome. I, so many people at my job go, like, you have the best job. I'm like, yeah, I know. I really do. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anybody, you know, but I really do. And I'm not ashamed of it, you know. You I, be. Uh, yeah. So, And then uh, looking forward to the future, uh, man, I have learned so much from my interns about tech stuff. And I and I was mentioning to you guys before we went on air, it's like that's a that's an area that I feel like I'm – I'm lagging behind, right? Because you get stuff that works and you just keep grinding it out. Like there's all these new cameras. I, I shoot with a 5D Mark III. Have for multiple years, you know, lots of years. I have two bodies. For my needs, they're perfect. Well, then all this mirrorless stuff, right? And I, and I pick one of those up and I'm like, I want to carry that around now. <laughs> not, not my big giant body with a lens and that you know, I got to use a monopod to carry it around. So what I want to get better at is just learning technology. You know what's more um, um, useful as a tool out there for me. Um, you know, there's just so much, and it's expanding so fast. Um, I really try not to get too worked up about, oh, this is a new camera. I should buy this because in six months, right, there's going to be new technology, and there's, you know, look at look at Adobe products. They're just continually changing and um, getting better, and, man, my head explodes when I think. I would about just it. say, take Matt to lunch, and you'll be good. Yeah. Well, right before we started, you know, we you're showing me your cameras, and yeah. and I, I'm just infatuated with it immediately. It's like, yeah, I get it. Uh, there, there, it changes so much. And so when I, you know, when I went to Africa, my pack weighed 35 pounds. You know, uh-huh. that's hard to lug around all the time. Yeah. You know. And then my boss, he had his all of his mirrorless stuff, and he's carrying it around <laughs> like in a lunch bag. And I'm like. <laughs> What the crap, man? <laughs> right? I'm like, okay, I see the benefit of that right now. You know, how are the images? But uh, so I, I just need to be better at that. For sure. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure to sit down, talk with you guys about our craft and drink some coffee and talk some shit. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you brave enough to listen to this podcast, please make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Share it with your friends and colleagues and go out and make something. On the next episode, we're going to talk about the art of our craft. And I don't mean basket weaving, Randy. (laughs) Filmmakers and photographers Drinking coffee and talking shit